Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Chris Sedgwick. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Awesome. My name is Chris Sedgwick. I'm the student pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. Um, I've been the student pastor here for 14 years. Um, I got the honor of starting the park with Pastor Mike. Uh, but most people in this room probably don't know who I am because they keep me hidden down in the gym. Um, they rarely let me come up here. And I was actually surprised I got to be up here today. Um, I haven't been up in front of everybody in about eight years. And Mike said, we're doing this sermon series. I want you to preach. And I go, okay, awesome. And I go, what's the sermon series? He goes, oh, it's, it's called Missing Pieces. Um, it's things that are missing from our faith and our walk with Christ today. And I said, well, why are they missing? And he goes, well, because no one wants to talk about them and no one wants to hear them. So I'd like you to tell everybody about it. I'm like, that was a good week for you to take off, wasn't it? So, um, but I'm really excited. Uh, About eight years ago, I stopped preaching because uh, the church really took off. The youth ministry really took off. And I've been over there uh, hanging out with my favorite people in the entire world. And that's all students, 6th to 12th grade. Um, but I'm really excited uh, to get to talk to y'all here this morning. Um, just so you know a little bit about me, I became a Christian when I was six years old. I went to a Carmen concert. I don't know if anybody in this room knows who Carmen is. Okay, okay, good. A couple people went to a Carmen concert, watched the concert. He gave the salvation message. I was like, you know what? I want to be a Christian. I became a Christian, got baptized. It was an awesome experience. But I never really went all in for Jesus until the summer of my senior year in high school. That's the year that I really committed everything that I had to Christ. And it all started at a camp I went to. There was this guy that came in and he spoke and he said, hey guys, I know a lot of y'all are Christians in here, but if you would go all in, and by all in, I mean if you would read God's word and do what God's word says and do what God tells you to do when he tells you to do it and how he tells you to do it, and if you would do all the things that you're supposed to do as a Christian, your life is going to be fantastic. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. Everything is going to be awesome. And I was like, holy cow, I want that. I mean, because up until that point in my life, you know, it was all right. But I was like, I want awesome. I want great. I want perfect. I want like no issues, everything to go right for me, get in the school I want to, pass all my tests. I mean, this is going to be a perfect life. And so that summer, I decided to go all in for Jesus. I began to read my Bible every single morning. I never missed a morning. I read my Bible and I did whatever the Lord called me to do and whatever he told me to do. And I went into my senior year of high school, sold out for Jesus. And it was a horrible year. I mean, honestly, it was one of the worst years of my life. I've been looking forward to playing basketball my senior year in high school. And right before the season, right before the first game kicked off, I tore my ankle up. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to miss half the season. What am I going to do? I was like, you know what? I'll coach underprivileged kids at a Christian league. That would be a great thing. Well, these underprivileged kids tackled me one time, and I broke my wrist and missed the second half of the season. And I'm like, really, God? I decided to go on my first international mission trip. I went to Mexico. I ate something in Mexico. And for months afterwards, I developed this parasite that caused me to have to leave my class three or four times during a one-hour class to go to the bathroom, okay? I got the nickname KP, which stood for King Pooper, um, my whole senior year, okay? I'm telling you, there wasn't a girl that wanted to date that, okay? It's like, I'll take you out, but I'm going to have to leave through the whole night, you know? And so 
it took me forever to figure out what parasite I had, how to get rid of it. I mean, it was ridiculous. Not only that, I started being convicted about some of the things that I was doing. And one of the things was the music I listened to. And God said, I want you to stop listening to all that horrible stuff. You know, things like we'll listen to Snoop Dogg, you know, like you talked about last week in his sermon. Um, he's like, I want you to listen to Christian music. Well, guys, Christian music in the 90s was horrible. I mean, it was, you know, it was The Great Adventure by Stephen Curtis Chapman, okay? And so I'd get in the car, or my friends would get in the car with me, and I'd be blaring this Christian music, and they'd be like, what is this? And they would make fun of me for it. And then God said, I didn't want you to go to these parties. I don't want you to get in certain relationships. I don't want you to do these things. And I began to lose friends. And I began to have to give up stuff that I really wanted to do. And at the end of the senior year, I was sitting there thinking, God, what am I doing wrong? I mean, this guy told me that if I would go all in, if I would do everything you asked me to do, my life would be perfect. It'd be great. And it's not. So what am I doing wrong? I mean, I was looking for this formula, this formula in my life that said, you know what? If I do this, read this, plus act this way, everything's going to be great. And I could not figure out that formula. I really, at that point, wanted to give up on my faith. I just wanted to stop. I wanted to say, you know what, God, I can't do it. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to do it. But by the grace of God, I continued to read. And I got into the Gospels. And in case you don't know, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. They tell the story of Jesus' life. And then right after the Gospels, I read the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the book on how the early church first started after Jesus left and went back up to heaven. And I read the stories about Jesus' most committed and most you know, sold out followers. And those were the 12 disciples, and those were a man named Paul. These were some of the most committed Christians in the history of the Christian church. I began to read their lives, and they were all sold out for Christ. They went all in for Jesus. They did everything he asked them to do, and their lives were not easy. In fact, they were horrific. Of the 12 disciples, all of them but one were martyred for their faith. They were brutally killed for what they believed. They were brutally murdered for what they did for Jesus. And the one that wasn't brutally killed, he died alone on a deserted island. And Paul, who started the early church, who did and went everywhere that Jesus asked him to go, he was beat, he was stoned, he was imprisoned. And then he was finally killed at the end of it all. And I started thinking to myself, okay, wait a minute. This is what being a Christian looks like. Not what this other person was telling me, but this is what it looked like. And although these people sacrificed everything they had for God, they made a huge impact on God's kingdom. And I guarantee it, not one of them would trade it for anything in the world. And so I began to ask myself, why is sacrifice missing in today's world? Why is this something that's missing in our world? And I came up with three things. And to tell you the truth is as I've traveled to different parts of the world, it's really not missing that much in other countries. The place where we see it missing the most is here in America. And here's why I believe we see it missing. The first one is this, the culture shift in the American church. You know what? It's a lot easier to sell if you say, hey, come follow Jesus. Everything's going to be perfect and great. I mean, if I'm going to sell a book, it's a lot easier for me to sell a book that says, hey, follow Jesus, everything's going to be great, instead of saying, hey, follow Jesus, you're going to have to sacrifice it all. I mean, isn't it? It's a lot easier to get y'all to come sit in chairs at a church service where we tell you, hey, follow Jesus, it's going to be the greatest thing in the world, it's going to be easy, nothing bad's going to happen to you, you're going to get more money, nicer houses, nicer cars. I mean, that's sellable. No one wants to come and say, hey, or no one wants to come and listen to, hey, 
follow Jesus, he's going to ask you to give up everything in your life, but it's going to be worth it. And so there's been this culture shift, and the churches have just been avoiding the cost of following Jesus. And we've just been talking about everything you're going to get out of it. The other thing is, honestly, human nature fights against it. I have a 9-year-old and I have an 11-year-old, and I never once sat them down and said, hey, guys, here's how you be selfish. Here's, here, here, here's how to be selfish, okay? You're going to take that from them, and then you're going to hit them, and this is, this is how it works. I never taught them that. They knew that on their own, okay? I mean, my daughter was like eight weeks old, and I took some bear away from her. Ah! You know, I'm like, how did you already learn that? You've only been alive for eight weeks, all right? We're born with this selfish nature. And so we don't want to hear it. We don't want to give up things. We want it all to ourselves. And that's me included. And the third thing is this, is we really don't have to. In this area, we don't have to. You know, we can have it all. We have this mindset that we can have it all. You know what? I can go to church, check that off. I can do this, check that off. I can keep my money. I can keep this. I can do this. I don't have to give it up. So why should I have sacrifice in my life? And that's the question this morning we want to answer. If culture is against it, if my human nature is against it, and I'm really not hurting anybody, why do I need to give it up? Well, here's the problem. And it's y'all's first blank in your sermon notes this morning. If we're truly following Christ, we must experience sacrifice in our lives. Hear that one more time. If we're truly following Christ, we must experience sacrifice in our lives. As Christ followers living in a world, and you know this if you walk out these doors, living in a world that is so against what God stands for, there is no way we can follow God and do what He's asking us to do without making sacrifices in our lives. I mean, the Bible's so clear about it. Look what it says in Luke 9, verses 22 through 23. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to all of them, and this is Jesus' words to everybody standing there, If anyone would come after me, which means if anyone would be a Christ follower, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I mean, it's very clear here. Luke is very specific that if we're to follow him, we have to pick up our cross and follow him daily. Now, that's not literal, okay? He's not talking like for us to go to Home Depot, buy some lumber, build a cross, carry with us to work, everywhere we go. And so it's not literal. It's saying that we need to carry the things in our lives. We need to give the sacrifices in our lives to follow Christ. So how do we do that? So how do we develop sacrifice in our lives? If God is saying we must do this to follow him, how do we do it? The first one is this. Sacrifice comes when we surrender self and serve others. Sacrifice comes when we surrender self and serve others. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Like I mentioned before, this does not come naturally for us. It does not come naturally for us to go out and look to other people's needs and wants and desires and not to our own. I mean, most of us are so heavily committed right now, 
It takes everything we've got just to get through the workday, to get our kids fed, to get into the activities they need to go to and do all these things without having to worry about somebody else's needs or wants. Isn't it true? I mean, we're all extremely busy in here. I know what that feels like. And it seems like God always asks us to make sacrifices at the most inconvenient times in our life. As a student pastor, a couple of times God has asked us to bring teenagers into our home to live with us for a time. Okay, these are teenagers whose parents either kicked them out of the house, they don't want them anymore. And so these are kids with problems, having troubles. And so a few times in our lives, God has asked us to house teenagers. And he's never asked us at an easy time. I remember the first time he asked us to house teenagers. He asked us to house two teenagers. Uh, My wife was eight months pregnant and we had a one-year-old. Okay, that's the worst time to bring teenagers into the house. Okay, the second time he asked us was right before the holidays. And we had all these travel plans. We had all these holiday plans, and now we had to include this other person into our family plans. And it wasn't easy, and it wasn't fun. And a lot of times, I don't even know if it did any good. I don't know if we even made a difference. But we had to say yes, because that's what God called us to do. And honestly, we don't make sacrifices in our lives for what we're going to get out of it anyways. We make sacrifices in our lives out of obedience to what God has asked us to do. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. A lot of you are thinking, oh, Chris is this wonderful person, makes sacrifices for everything. I am as selfish as they come, okay? I really am. There are hundreds of times a week that God asks me to make sacrifices. I'm like, oh, not right now, God. I mean, that happens all the time in my life. I'll be driving by and I'll see a homeless person and God will say, hey, you should buy them a meal. I'm like, you know what, God? I'd love to, but the game starts in 10 minutes. I need to get home. (laughs) I mean, I would. It's that simple, you know? I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'll house teenagers, but buying a homeless meal and missing the game, Ain't going to happen, God, okay? I mean, I do those things all the time. In fact, our staff has a little policy that we do here, okay? If someone has a lot of manual labor here on campus, like they need to unload a truck or load a truck or do something like that, they send out an all-staff text that says, hey, we need help over here. Can you come help us? Well, when those texts come through, I like go straight to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm going to pretend like I'm having my parasite problem again, you know? I'm like, can't help. I'm in the bathroom. Sorry, you know? That parasite from Mexico came back. I mean, you know, because I'm selfish. You know, I'm too busy for that. In fact, you know what? I'm doing something more important than that. And that's what we tend to do. And I tend to be selfish at times. God will ask me not to spend money on something that I really want so I can use that money to bless someone else. But because I really want it, I spend my money on that. And I choose not to make that sacrifice. And so God has had to walk me through those moments. And guys, the goal here is not perfection. The goal is just to begin to say yes when God calls you to give something up. And start with the little things. I mean, God's not going to ask you to bring in a bunch of teenagers. I mean, he might, but he's probably not going to ask you to bring a bunch of unruly teenagers into your house to live with you. But he might ask you to lead a small group for teenagers, or he might ask you to mentor a teenager, or he might ask you to feed a homeless person. Or he might ask you to sponsor a kid in another country. I don't know what he's going to ask you to do. He might ask you to go on a mission trip. But those small things have incredible eternal impacts on the people that you do them for. Because the truth is, guys, if we as the church don't say yes, who is? If we as the church tend to look inward and not outward, what is that going to look like? The second thing is this. Sacrifice is a product of obedience. Obedience is found in humility. 
Sacrifice is a product of obedience. Obedience is found in humility. Look what the second half of that verse we just read a minute ago says. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Guys, if we're going to live a life of sacrifice, there is no room in our lives for pride or selfishness. We've got to have the characteristic of humility. Now, I work with teenagers, and so whenever I use the word humble or humility, they're like, oh, that's when you don't like yourself, right? Okay, that's not what humility is, okay? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, okay? And that's your next blank. Humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. I mean, that's what humility is. It's saying, you know what? I'm not going to think about my wants, my desires, my needs. That's not where the focus is going to be. The focus is going to be on the needs, the wants, and the desires of those around me. And that's something that we have to choose and do every single day. It doesn't come natural. You're not going to wake up and go, woo, I'm going to think about everybody else today. I mean, that just doesn't happen. As soon as you wake up, you're going to be like, okay, I need to do this, 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 this. I need this, 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 and this. I got to have this, this. And I mean, we think about ourselves. You have to wake up and say, okay, God, give me a spirit of humility today where I can think about others and not myself. And when we begin to do that, sacrifice will become natural to us. It'll be something that we won't even be, have to be asked to do because we'll do it naturally. And God isn't up there just saying, hey, you need to sacrifice, you need to sacrifice. He came down here and gave us the ultimate example of sacrifice in our lives. He came down to this earth, lived a perfect life and said, you know what? I'm going to show you what sacrifice looks like. It was because of that sacrifice that, that we get to have eternal life when we die. It was, it was because of that sacrifice that we get to have a personal relationship with the God of this universe. And it was because of that sacrifice that there is not a person left on this earth that is hopeless or that is without hope. And honestly, as I look at that and I see that and I ask myself, when did that not become good enough? When did that not become enough for us? When do we stop and say, you know what, God, I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you for eternal life, but I still need a bigger house. I still need a boat. I still need this. I still need things to go easy for me. I still need not to sacrifice the things in my life. I mean, at what point did we, as Christians, at what point did the Christian faith become something where we want more and more and more, even though that was done for us? There is no way on earth that I ever deserved anybody doing that for me. And if that's all that I get the rest of my life, that is more than I will ever deserve. And so I have to wake up each morning and remember that God wants me to sacrifice. And guys, there is hope in that. And this is your last blank this morning. And the hope is this. We must always remember our sacrifices are never wasted. That sacrifice on the cross was not wasted. It was so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And Jesus wants to use our sacrifices in our lives to show people His love, to help people understand the sacrifice that He made for them. 
It is time for the Christian church to stand up and show that they're willing to give their lives for the people around them. To show that we're willing to sacrifice to reach them. And so this morning, my challenge to you is just be obedient when God asks you to give something up. It's a challenge to myself too. But I can promise you one thing, guys. Making your life a sacrifice for God will lead to the greatest and most impactful life you've ever had. Easiest? No. Far from easy. But you will make an eternal impact for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for this morning, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for that sacrifice. And Lord, I ask for forgiveness for the many times that I have forgotten about that, Lord, and I have focused back on my own wants, my own needs, my own desires, the own things that I want in my life. Lord, take the selfishness from my heart. Take the pride from my life, Lord. Let me focus on those around me, that their wants, their needs, their desires, Lord, over my own. Let me be a living sacrifice for you. I thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. I thank you that it leads to eternal life for me, Lord. And I thank you that you were so patient with me. But Lord, I want to be used to do something great by you. And so Lord, we offer our lives up to you today as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, so that you can do something great in our lives. Lord, let us spend the next few minutes focused on the things that you have for our lives, the sacrifices that you have for us to make so that we can bring honor and glory to your kingdom. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.